Hello, this is Pastor Sam Velez, and I'm so glad that you're joining us for our service. We hope you enjoy this message today, that it blesses your life and your families. We love you. The greatest gift that we could ever get is Jesus himself. Above all the gifts that you're going to get, above what you're going to get under the Christmas tree, above anything else that you could think in your mind, the greatest gift that we can get is Jesus. And so when Isaiah's prophesying this, he's letting the Israelites know, hey, there's going to be a time coming for your life where what you've been searching for is coming today. What you've been needing in your life is going to be in right in front of you. You're about to receive something greater that you've ever had before. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah 9, verse 6. This is the theme verse for the whole series. If you want to go there with me. And it says this. It says, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Last Sunday we talked about Wonderful Counselor and a Mighty God and today we're going to talk about who he is as an Everlasting Father. As an everlasting father. Whether you grew up with a father or you didn't, we all need a father figure in our life. Maybe for you, it's your parents. Maybe it's a grandparent. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's a teacher. Whoever it is. But here's the thing. When the Bible says that he is an everlasting father, that means he is a father that is always present and will never leave. He is a father that is always present to meet your need. He's not a father that's going to run when things get hard. He's not a father that's going to quit when you quit. In fact, he's a father that is everlasting. That means there is no end to who God is for us. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your week has been. God is still God. He's still our father. Regardless of what's going on around the world. Regardless of what's happening. He's an everlasting father. And he's a father that loves to give good gifts to his children. In fact, Jesus mentions it in the gospel. He said, if an evil person likes to give good gifts to his kids, how much more our father? How much more our God wants to give good gifts to his children? My dad, my dad has, has this, this, this gift, if you, if you want to call it. In my, in my mind, my dad makes the best egg sandwiches in the world. He makes the best egg sandwiches. And here's the thing. There's nothing special about his egg sandwiches. It's like H-E-B bread, whatever, you know, ham, cheese, and butter. And then he melts it on the toast. You know, he does all this thing to it, right? And there's nothing special to it. But for me, they're the best ones. I've gone to restaurants. I've had them with other people and their houses. Don't, I'm not going to say whose houses. Nobody get offended. But none of them compare to my dad's egg sandwiches. So that's why if someone were to offer me an egg sandwich, I'll probably say I'll get the alternative because I already know that I'm going to be, uh, I'm not going to, I'm going to be disappointed. But my dad has this gift and, and every time, if I were to go to his house and say, hey dad, can I have an egg sandwich? He doesn't tell me anything. He just starts making it. There's times where I've gone to my dad's house and I'm just walking through the door and he already knows I'm here for the egg sandwich in the morning. And he makes it. And he gives it to me. I don't have to pay him five bucks. Like, hey, son, you've come for like seven days straight. Uh, you might start paying something. 
this, this bread ain't cheap, you know, inflation. You know, he's not saying that to me. No, no, he, he gives it to me freely. It's a gift that he keeps giving to me. And it's the same thing. I'm not saying that my dad is God, but we have to see this as, as God in, in our perspective, that God is continuously wanting to shower his children with blessings. And we don't have to beg him, and we don't have to charge for it. We don't have to do anything. No, God wants to be that father that you solely need. God wants to provide for the very thing that you feel like you're lacking. God wants to heal you in the parts that nobody else can heal. God wants to restore you. God wants to do the impossible for your life because we serve an amazing God. Amen. Give God, give God a hand clap that we serve a God that's amazing, a God that doesn't give up, a God that doesn't run, but a God that is constantly present every single day. The Bible says this in John chapter 1, 1 and 2. If they could put that. It says, in the beginning was the word. The, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. When John is writing, he's talking about Jesus. From the beginning of time, Jesus was already there. Jesus was present when the world was formed. Jesus was present when he formed man. Jesus was present, present at every sign. That's why when you say everlasting God, he was already present. He was already there. He, he was there to be a light in the darkness. And for some of you, this might be a dark season, but I'm here to encourage you that as you get close to the light, who is Jesus, he is the one that gives us life. He gives us life. I want to share with you a story of Jesus with a, with a person, as you can, as we, if we can get the right perspective, it'll change the way we live. Because remember, like I said last Sunday, we receive what we recognize. So if I recognize Jesus, my father, I'll receive everything he has to give me. If I, if I recognize him as my, as my provider, then I will receive every provision from him. And so I want to share a story where Jesus is like a father who sees, who provides, and he creates for his children. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to John chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 1 through 26. Some of you this is familiar. Some of you this is not. And so we're going to preach this. John chapter 4, 1 through 26 says this. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard all that he was, that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for the Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift. Come on, church. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. 
and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist we Samaritans claim it is here that Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter, matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. As we see in this story, we see Jesus at the well with this woman. And Jesus is not only at the well with this woman, there are so many things that are going on in this moment. The fact that he's in Samaria and Jews don't go to Samaria. In fact, if you want to call it in that time, it was pretty much racism. They don't go there. They despise the people. They won't, in fact, in other versions, there are disciples that will tell Jesus, Jesus, why don't we go this way? They were trying to find a way out of going through Samaria. But Jesus had every intention with meeting with this woman. He had every intention with giving her the gift that she was missing. And I love this. I love this about our God that he is intentional with giving us what we need. He's intentional with looking at our issues and trying to fill it. Because that's what a good father does. A good father sees the need and wants to fill it. He sees the need and wants to help. He sees the need and wants to provide. A good leader will do that for his people. A good mom will do that. Any figure that you could think of in your mind that is good to you knows that there is a responsibility in them to provide. And so Jesus in this moment knows that this woman needs something more than men. He needs him. She needs him. He, he knows she needs salvation. He knows that she needs eternity with him. Because he knew that if this woman were to die, she would not be in heaven with him. And so Jesus, being loving as a father, an everlasting father, comes into the picture to be the man that she needed in that life, in, her, in that moment. She comes into the, he comes into the picture. And one thing that we can learn from this story is that Jesus sees us. Jesus sees you. He sees you. There's, um, there have been moments in my life where it felt like, God, do you even see me? Do you even see what I'm going through? I don't know if you ever felt like that, where you feel like, God, I, I just feel like I'm not seen. Because the worst feeling in the world is to 
be present but never seen. It's the worst feeling in the world. To be in a room where you know you are present but nobody's looking. To be in a place where you know that you are lacking but there's no one there to fill it. And I'm here to encourage you that Jesus sees you. He sees you. She had a background as a Samaritan. She had a background of a woman, pretty much, that was promiscuous. Five different men. She was married to five different men, living with the one. She wasn't married to this man. She had a lot of things going against her. But Jesus came to the picture And instead of looking at the woman the way everybody else looked at her, he saw her for her. He saw her as a daughter. He saw her as a person. He saw her as someone that needed a gift. He saw. He sees you. You might not feel like it. You might feel like, God, I feel like you're ignoring me. God, I feel like like everything's passing by. God, I don't know. I'm living this way. I haven't lived for you the way I should. And I I don't know if you're going to accept me. I'm here to encourage you that Jesus sees you. And what I love about Jesus is that Jesus confronts her. He tells her, hey, you're living with five guys. You've, you've, lived with, you've married five men. You're living with the one right now. And she gets like, oh my gosh, who are you? But here's what I love about Jesus as a father. Is that when Jesus sees me and you, he doesn't see us to shame us. He sees us to save us. So when Jesus confronts her, he's not confronting her to make her feel bad and make her go on her way and just never come back. No, he confronts her because he wants to change the situation. When me and you get into the presence of God and we are confronted with our past, with our sins, with our disabilities, it is not so that we can keep going back and further and further away from the light. No, God wants the light shining bright on you so that he can confront the darkness. But as humans, we have a tendency at times, to get further and further away because of the guilt and the shame and further and further away because we understand we're wrong and further and further away instead of saying, God, I need you. God, I'm going through this. I know I messed up. And allowing Jesus to bring change. That's what conviction does. Conviction sounds bad. It sounds ugly. But the reality is that conviction is there to save your life. When you have conviction in your life and in your spirit, say, you know what? I used to be like that. And I, I, you know, maybe 10 years ago or maybe last year, I would have made that decision. But now the Holy Spirit on the inside of me doesn't allow me to. It's not to ruin your life and it's not to hurt your life, but it's to save your life. So when Jesus comes and brings conviction to her life, it is to change her life for the better. It is to change you forever. When someone that is above you sees something in you and calls it out, it's not to shame you, but to be better. And if we're going to change our perspective of Jesus as our father, then we have to stop seeing Jesus as a punisher. And Jesus is the one that robs me of my joy. And Jesus is the one that makes me feel bad. That has nothing to do with Jesus' intention at all. 
In this season of Christmas, we have to come to the understanding that Jesus comes to save us. Jesus comes. The Bible says, Paul said it best in Galatians 5.1, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. There, every intention of our God is to make us free from the bondage of this world. God wants you to be free. God wants you to be whole. God wants you to walk in victory. God wants you to leave this place blessed. God wants you to be healed. That's our God. And if our perspective would change, instead of every time I feel shame, I go further, it should be, you know what, every time I feel shame, let me go closer. Because as I get closer, I find the comforter. As I, if, as I get closer, I find what I'm missing. There are things that you're praying for and you're wondering, Pastor Sam, is God even hearing me? Does he see my misery? And I'm here to tell you he does. He does see. He does know. He does want to. Everything that you could think of, he wants to do that and more. But if we're going to get something from this text, is that Jesus sees you. He saw her for her. He didn't see her the way other people saw her. He didn't see her for her sins. He didn't see her for her past. Church, you have to stop punishing your future because of your past. There are people in this room that you are punishing your future because of what happened in your past. And God did not die on the cross so that you continuously punish yourself. He died so that you could be free. He died so that you could be cleansed. He died so that you could be forgiven of your sins and that you could turn away and go forward. He died for more. He died for more. And the Samaritan woman is confronted with the reality of who she is, but she's also confronted with the reality of who she could be in Jesus. She's confronted with, man, I got my problems, but she's also confronted with the fact that, man, I can start all over. I got something more. I got more with it. And Jesus' desire, he has a desire to see your need. He wants to see your need and he wants to fill it. So if you came here with a need, know that our father wants to fill that need. And our father sees you. You might not like the way you look. You might not like the way your life looks at this point. But I'm here to let you know that God sees you. And he wants to change everything for you. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> the second thing that we can get from the story is this, is that Jesus not only sees us, but he provides for our needs. He provides for our needs. The Bible says that she's going because she's thirsty. Jesus is there because he's thirsty. But this woman's been rejected for a long time, and she's been looking to other people to fill a void that only Jesus can fill. When we feel rejected and when we feel hurt, what do we do? We look for ways to fill the void. And a lot of times we look for unhealthy ways to fill the void. It doesn't have to be sexual, although a lot of times it, for other, some people it's sexual. It could be through spending. It could be through a lot of social media, it could be through a lot of different ways. And this woman is coming with a need. And her need is not another man. Her need is not just a bigger family. No, her need, Jesus said, if you only knew the gift 
if you only knew the gift that I got for you, you wouldn't be looking to other sources. I'm here to talk to people that maybe you are looking to other sources because you feel like that source is going to make you happier. You feel like if I get more money, then we'll be happier. You feel like, man, if I can do this, it'll be happier. If I move here, I'll be happier. If I get away from here, I'll be happier without realizing that if you were to rest in the presence of Jesus, you'll be satisfied all the days of your life. Because it doesn't matter where you go. Me and you can move to Hawaii tomorrow. And the beach is great. The weather's great. Trust me, I would, I would love to be in Hawaii. You know, I wouldn't look at Monte, I'll look at mountains, all right? But just because you live in Hawaii doesn't mean that things change for you because it's not about the location. It's about the person. And a lot of times we look at location, we look at sources, we look at other things to fill the void that we feel at times. And I'm here to, to remind you and to encourage you, go back to the person that has the gift of him, who is Jesus. He said, if you knew the gift I have, he said, if you knew the gift, you wouldn't even be thirsty anymore. And he wasn't talking about her thirst for water, but it was a thirst to belong, a thirst to be loved, a thirst for something deeper. She had, they were at a well that was deep, but her well was a lot deeper than that. There was a hurt. There was a pain. There was a lack. And Jesus said, if you would know me, if you would accept me, you wouldn't feel the way you feel every single day. You wouldn't feel that way. In fact, if you knew me, if you knew me, he said, you would never be thirsty again because Jesus said, what is Jesus trying to let us know? That the drink that he offers him, his presence, accepting him, gives you an everlasting satisfaction. That the, the economy could go crazy, the world can go crazy, but because I am filled with him, I don't need anything else. As long as I'm filled with his presence and his spirit and his word, I don't need anything else. I'm satisfied in him. I don't got to search anymore. I don't got to push and pull and pry and fight for other things. You know, I am secure in him. I can go to bed secure. I can go and wake up secure. My kids are secure because I have him. He said, it's a water. I love the way Jesus describes it. It says this. He says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Giving them eternal life. Jesus is saying, I'm about to give you something that is eternal. I'm about to give you a joy that's eternal. I'm not going to give you happiness. I'm going to give you joy because happiness is based on happenings, but joy is eternal. I'm not going to give you something that's going to make you feel good just on a Sunday. Jesus said, I'm going to give you my presence that when you wake up on Monday and when you go to sleep on Friday, I got a peace. I got a power. I got a healer. I got a provider. I got the joy of the Lord. I got the strength that I need. I got everything I have in Jesus and Jesus alone. That's what Jesus was trying to let her know. He was telling the Samaritan woman, hey, I don't just see you, 
but I have the provision for you. I don't just see, you don't got to try. I got it. It's a free gift for you. It's a bubbling. It's a thing that overflows. It's an overflowing thing of my presence, of my spirit. Is he going to bless you with promotions and breakthrough? Of course he is. That's how the God we serve. But here's the thing, church. We're so, if you're not careful, we are going to look for methods to be better. We will look for methods to be happier. We will look for, man, what are the three steps to make me smile on Monday? A blog by this girl that you don't even know who she is. She woke up morning, one morning and, on the beach and said, I just, I'm going to be a blogger. Three steps to smile. Some of you are laughing because you know it's true. If you're not careful, we will, you will look for methods. And Jesus is trying, in this story, is trying to get you and me to understand that it is not in the method that saves you, but in the man, in him. It is not a method. It's a person. And it's Jesus. It's me. He says, I am the gift that you need. I came. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. To seek and to save those who were lost. That means that Jesus came to save me and you because we were lost. Jesus came to save me and you from our sins, from our troubles, from our confusions. And he's promising us so much more. He's promising us a thirst that never ends. A desire, man, I don't have to have a desire to look for more things to fill a void. No, no, I have him. I'm happy. I'm blessed. Some of you, you need to change your mindset. Instead of waking up and always thinking about what you lack, begin to thank God for what you have. Father, I thank you today because I got this house. Father, I thank you today that I'm driving a car. Father, I'm thank you because you know what? I would have, if I didn't have a car, either I would have to walk or Uber everywhere. But no, thank you, Lord, that I have one. Father, thank you that I have my children and they're safe. Father, thank you. See what I mean? There is a difference when you begin to thank God for what you have instead of complaining about what you lack. We all know that we want something. We all know in Christmas, I'm sure, the things that you lack, you're writing it down to Santa. I want this. I need this. I'm sure you're looking for those things. And I'm sure they're great things. But again, Jesus is the gift that I have. He's talking about the gift. I'm giving you a gift that keeps on giving. A gift that doesn't run out. A gift that's not limited. The only time we limit God's gift to us is when we limit him from moving in our lives. The only time that God's ever limited is when we put the limit on him. Ever thought about that? I am the one that limits God by what I believe and but why, but what, with what I say and with my actions. God is not limited. God will do the impossible. If you read the Bible from Genesis all the Revelation, we see it every single time. God will split the Red Sea. God will heal the blind. God will do all those things. The only limits is us. Jesus himself went back to Nazareth, his hometown. And the Bible says that he could only do a few miracles. Because everybody 
was rejecting him. He said a prophet has rejected his own hometown. He said, I could only do a few because everybody else had a problem. So if we have a God that is limitless, may we receive everything he has for us today, church. May we receive more grace. May we receive his peace. May we receive his power. May we receive everything that we are lacking. May we receive it today in Jesus' name. Not only does Jesus see us and provide for us, but I love this. He creates something new in us. He creates something new in us. A good father not only sees us and provides, but he also creates something new. Maybe when you were a kid, and you were down on yourself because of certain things. Maybe someone made fun of you in elementary. Or you were hard on yourself if you're an athlete and you had a bad game. And you were kind of hard on yourself. A good parent would begin to speak life to you. Hey, you did great. Hey, I don't know what you're talking about. What I saw was greatness. Ever had parents, like, parents, you know what I'm talking about? When you tell your kids, you did awesome. And the kid's like down, like, no, I suck. You, know, I'm, you know, I hate it. And he's like, no, man, you, you're awesome. You're great. I'm proud of you. That's how, I mean, my daughter, Catalina, she doesn't, like, she'll do, like, little things. Like, now she's starting to, like, roll over, and it's freaking us out. Because we'll, we'll be turning around. All of a sudden, she's, like, on her face. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> but, you know, when we're teaching her or when she's doing something, we always say, man, I'm proud of you. I love you. You know, we talk like that because, because well, we love our daughter. She's the, to us, she's the greatest thing on the planet. And Jesus in the same way creates in us something new. The Bible says in first Corinthians five seventeen that the old is gone and the new is gone. We are new creations. That means that who you were before no longer exists. The angry you, the bitter you, the broken you, the hurt you. In Christ, you are a new creation. So my challenge to you is walk in it. Walk in who God's already created you to be. Walk into how God has already created you to become. Walk like Jesus. You are a new creation. God creates new things in us. This woman came in one way and left another. This woman came in as an adulterer, as someone that people rejected. But can I tell you something? She left as an evangelist. You don't believe me? The whole town, the Bible says, came to Jesus because this woman began to tell everybody of who he was. The transformation that happened. That Jesus creates new things in us. Now, when we get to his presence... Not only do we go as sinners, but we leave something more. That if we were to give our life, if we were to submit, if we were to surrender to him, we would find that God creates new things in us. See, ch- church, Jesus doesn't want to just heal the physical parts of your body. He also wants to heal the, the innermost spiritual parts of your body, of your life. He, don't, he wants to heal you. In fact, this woman, she didn't need just a drink of water. She needed a new life. She didn't just need God to meet me in this need so that I can go back home and live with my husband who I'm not married to. No, no. She needed a new life. And Jesus said, I got the gift for that new life. And what I love about this woman 
is that her perspective changes from you're a Jew and you're a Jew this, that, to oh my gosh, there's this man, this Jesus. It, it changes. It creates something new. Her language changes. Her attitude changes. Her behaviors change. Why? Because Jesus creates something new and something better. We're a better version of who we used to be in Christ. And what I love about this church is that as we gain the person of Jesus Christ, not only do we gain a person, but we leave with purpose. Anything that's ever been created, not only is created for the person, but it's created for a purpose. Anything that you create has a purpose. When they created the airplane, there was a purpose. It wasn't just for the Wright brothers. They had a purpose that, for, that would soon change the whole world. When you created what you created, your household, your house is not just, if you built, if you built a house in this room, you, when you built your house, it's not just so that you guys can sleep in and nice and dandy. No, no. You did it because there's a purpose. Why? Because there's, our family comes together in this house. We might fight and yell at each other, but at the end of the day, we love each other in this house. We create memories for this house. Anything that is created comes with purpose. When Jesus created man, he created us with purpose. In fact, Jesus blessed men and gave men dominion over all things. He created something new in us. I was curious about wells because nowadays we don't really use, we don't go, we don't go into the town and get water from a well. But I was reading this and it says, Drinking water wells need to be at least 100 feet deep so that the surface contaminants cannot enter the well. Some wells are 800 to 1,000 feet deep because the deeper the well is, the better the quality of water. Church, Jesus wants to dig deeper in your life so you can overflow with his presence and his peace. Jesus wants to do a work at the root of your problem so that all the contaminants of sin can't come. So that all the people's voices that used to pull you away can't come. Jesus wants to create a new heart, a new mind, a new purpose. He wants to renew your mind. He wants to renew your heart. Because if he can renew your heart and he can renew your mind, it'll change the way you live. It'll renew the way you make decisions. It'll renew the way you parent. It'll renew the way you believe. It'll change the way you see things. He creates new things in us. That water, that thing that he wanted to create in her, that everlasting waters, he wanted to give her life-giving water. He wanted to give her life. Because what she lived was not life. She was just surviving. She wasn't living, she was surviving. My prayer to you, church, is this is that we will be people that would live and not survive. 
that we be people that when we, we wake up, it's not just another day. It's not just another, ah, oh, well, let me clock out at five. It's not just, no, no, it's, it's life. Jesus gave you breath in your lungs. It's life. Jesus created something new in you to give you purpose because it's life. That's why when you go to your job and you go to your school and to your university, if you've been searching for purpose, your purpose is right in front of you. You just have to open your eyes to it. The classmate, the student, the co-worker. Pastor, where's my purpose? It's right in front of you. They need the gift that you have. And for some of us in this room, it's not that we don't have the gift. It's that we need to embrace the gift. Again. It's not that the gift isn't available to us or we never accepted the gift. No, no. It's that we need to continuously embrace the gift. It's everlasting He's an everlasting father that wants to provide. He's an everlasting father that wants to create something new in you. For her, it was a restoration to her life, to her spirit. And it gave her a new perspective. Because now she saw the Savior. Now that she didn't see herself as a sinner anymore. She didn't see herself as this woman this promiscuous woman. No, no, no. He, she saw herself as Christ saw her. She wasn't a Samaritan woman. She wasn't X, Y, and Z. No, no, no. She was a daughter. I say the same thing for you. You're a daughter. You're a son. And God gives good gifts to his children. He's an everlasting father. Thank you so much for joining our service and for listening to us. We are located at 4519 East Del Mar Boulevard in Laredo, Texas. And we hope that you continue to be a part of our ICM family.